showcasing beloved favorites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network.
from Ramsgate in Kent, England. I am your host, Jason Drury, welcoming you to the second of this latest edition of the Archive Show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Before we continue, as always, it's a big hello to our listeners at cinematicsound.net and wherever you get great podcasts that feature this show. It's great to have you join us. And if you do like what you hear, either A, call your doctor, or B, give us a five-star rating and a review on your favourite podcaster, even more so on iTunes, as it really helps get the show noticed and introduces new listeners to find the programme and the Cinematic Sound Radio Network itself. We also have a Merc store where you can buy an Archive Logo t-shirt or any form of the other of your favourite Cinematic Sound Radio Network programmes, as well as hundreds of other items, including some limited edition apparel. To see the swag on offer, go to TeePublic. The link, as always, is strategically placed on the webpage. We now also have something called a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash cinematic sound radio where you can support the station for as low an amount as one dollar or the equivalent in pound sterling. And if you invest more, you can obtain some very interesting and exciting rewards. It says here on this bit of paper. Please go to patreon.com forward slash cinematic sound radio to find what these goodies are. Now this is part two of episode 29 of the show, I think. And if you are keeping count, really? And if you haven't listened to part one of this show, as always, I admire your rebellious attitude. Later in this show, we will have music from the recent Intrada release, the 1991 action comedy thriller Company Business, composed by Michael Kamen. Selections from James Patterson's wonderful award-winning score for the martial arts drama The Red Canvas, now, would you believe, 12 years old. And we finished part two of this edition in the same way we started part one, with music from the episode Identity from the sci-fi series The Orville. This time, part two of the adventure, with music by Joe McNeely featuring some action-packed space battle music. Now we started part two with the prologue and main title from Lalo Schifrin's classic score to the first of the Dirty Harry films, directed by Don Siegel and starring iconically Clint Eastwood. Made in 1971, the film and the score is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And if that doesn't make you feel really old, nothing will. Three years later, in 1974, came a film which on the 30th of April, its score will receive a reissue on vinyl from Cinema Paradiso Records. The Parallax View, produced and directed by Alan J. Pakula and starring Warren Beatty, Ron Conan, William Daniels and Paula Prentice. The screenplay was by David Gala and Lorenzo Semple Jr. and was based on the 1970 novel by Lauren Singer. The story concerns a reporter's investigation into a secret organisation, the Parallax Corporation, 
whose primary focus is political assassination. The Parallax View is the second instalment of Palooka's Political Paranoia Trilogy, along with Clute in 1971 and All the President's Men in 1976. In addition to being the only film in the trilogy not to be distributed by Warner Brothers, the Parallax View is also the only one of the three not to be nominated for an Academy Award. The score was composed by Palooka's composer of choice for the time, the highly underrated Michael Small, here making his musical debut on the archive. Small, while working on the Parallax View, felt that the project had an unusual relevance to his era. Quote, I remember when I was scoring it, Patty Hearst was being held hostage and they were broadcasting her statements every day. It was the time where there was a lot of paranoia and speculation about the Kennedy assassination. It was still a very alive feeling in the mid-70s, unquote. Now, Michael Small's score for the Parallax View is relatively brief at just over half an hour in length, leaving the film's opening assassination scene unscored. It's music beginning from an announcement from an investigative panel leading in to the opening credits. The music then opens up on a certain chord. You're taken in, swept along, and even moved by it. Something irresistible is pulling you. Now, anthems have a mysterious power to move you. Therefore, in a certain way, the film is exploring conspiracy as skewered, inverted loyalty. This skewered, patriotic anthem works not only as underscore, but also becomes the signature for the overall point of view of the story. For the film's end credits, Small converted his dark anthem into a patriotic march. The director explained that they dubbed it so it didn't sound to you like it was marching across the screen and you hear cheering sounds along with this cheerful music, but you know it's the sound of evil. It's being used to make you think they are patriotic. Now, a Cinema Paradiso record release of the Parallax View includes for the first time in full the infamous brainwashing scene of the film and influenced the countless films and TV shows over the years, including the Watchmen series, Mr. Robot and Homecoming, even using the music from the film. To include a dialogue, the disembodied voice from Ron Beatty's Parallax Test, after being granted permission by Paramount, the label scoured the film credits but gained no insight into whom the mysterious voice belonged to until they asked John Boston, Alan Pecula's assistant on the Parallax View. The actor turned out to be the director himself. He did the temp track and they got used to it and they never replaced it, Bernstein told the record label. So here now is music from the 1974 political paranoia thriller, The Parallax View, with original score composed and conducted by Michael Small.
Welcome to the testing room of the Parallax Corporation's Division of Human Engineering. You will now please cross to the chair. And you will sit down. Make yourself comfortable. And be sure to place each one of your hands on a box on either side of the chair. Making sure that each one of your fingers is on one of the white rectangles. Just sit back, nothing is required of you except to observe the visual materials that are presented to you. Be sure to keep your fingers on the box at all times. All right, we hope you find the test a pleasant experience.
That was music from the 1974 political paranoia thriller The Parallax Year, with original score composed and conducted by Michael Small. The original soundtrack recording was released on CD, paired with another score by Small, Marathon Man, in 2010 on FSM Records, and was released on vinyl for the first time on the 30th of April by Cinema Paradiso Records. Showcasing beloved favourites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Next up is a recent release by Intrada Records of music of the 1991 action comedy film Company Business, written and directed by Nicholas Meyer and starring Gene Hackman and Mikhail Baristnikov. The film follows the exploits of Sam Boyd, Gene Hackman, a former operative for the CIA, who is reactivated to escort Peter Ivanovich Grusenko, played by Mikhail Brunstikov, a captured KGB mole, to a prisoner exchange in recently reunited Berlin. Now at this stage, over a decade into his career, Michael Kamen was already acknowledged as a master of action, excitement and cinematic intrigue. It all began in 1976 with The Next Man, his first feature, which starred Sean Connery as a Saudi politician targeted for assassination. Now, Cameron had won a BAFTA, shared with Eric Captain for the for score in the 1985 crime miniseries Edge of Darkness, and by the end of a decade, he had launched three action franchises, Highlander, Lethal Weapon, and Die Hard. And even to boot, scored a James Bond film, Licence to Kill. Moreover, Cameron demonstrated a genre-straddling talent for edgy comic fare on films such as Brazil, Brown Muchhausen and The Adventures in Babysitting. His deft touch with the orchestra kept the humour grounded and the thrills light on their feet, which is to say that writer-director Nicholas Meyer found the perfect composer for this 1991 buddy spy film. Meyer's script for the film went through a number of changes and Cayman worked diligently to accommodate them in his score. There was one instant when the composer fine-tuned a cue for a sequence that had been cut down, concerning a theft of an automobile, while nevertheless enjoying himself tremendously, while nevertheless enjoying himself tremendously. After Washington came and conducted tricky passage during the film scoring sessions in Berlin, Germany, Meyer listened and pronounced, that was good. But Cayman was not yet satisfied, quipping, in fact, that was so good, we're going to do it again. The next pass was even more successful, prompting Cameron to joke, one of our little miracles, before muttering, I don't want to be sorry about this later, and leading the orchestra for yet another take. He's absolutely right, commented Mayer, adding, even miracles can use a second take. It was irony that the sequence played without music in the final cut of the film. Cameron's score, due to the film's locations, provided dashes of Slavic colour. Yet Cameron avoided overburdening the score with ethnic elements, incorporating only enough to establish a general sense of time and place. There is no patriotic American anthems here. No Soviet chorales. In fact, there are very few long lines of melodies in the score of company business, even though few music fans know how Cameron is a master of building a score around more compact, muscular motifs. The lengthiest melody of the score does not appear too late in the film. A smoky theme that 
originally appears as source music, and to Cameron then used it during the end credits. The end title cue itself is entitled The Island and refers to Crescento's fantasy of a tropical paradise free from the world of spies and spycraft. Whether he will live on this deceive this Eden is left open to question. But the pair have thwarted at least one scheme, so Cameron grants them a respite, at least until a final note of ambivalence. What ultimately makes company business worth celebrating? And releasing is how Cayman manages to imprint the score with personality without straying into cliche. As Cayman observed in an interview during the recording sessions, quote, the most necessary attribute to a good film composer is being a dramatist, unless you are really interested in, willing to get into and understand what's happening in a dramatic sense, your chances of success are very slim, unquote. Now for this two-disc 2021 release, Intrada preserved the original composer-supervised assembly on disc one, allowing listeners to hear and enjoy the programme as Cayman envisioned it. On disc two, they present the entire score for which the following suite came from, in the sequence largely dictated by the picture itself. This differs substantially from the first disc, and also includes several previously unreleased cues. So here now is music from the 1991 action comedy film Company Business, with his new score composed and conducted by Michael Kamen and performed by Rod Funk Orchestra Berlin.
That was music from the 1991 action comedy film Company Business, with original score composed and conducted by Michael Kamen and before by the Rudd Funk Orchestra Berlin. The original soundtrack recording was released in early, in early 2021 on a 2-CD set by Intrada Records. This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Now next up is a score which I cannot believe was released in 2009. 12 years ago and due to its quality I am still personally saddened that we have not heard more music from its composer. The Red Canvas, aka Art of Submission, aka Money Fight, was a martial arts drama about a ruthless mixed martial arts tournament. It was the first film shot and completed on the Red One 4K camera. It was directed by Adam Booster and Ken Charnitoff with a screenplay by Charnitoff and starred Ernie Reigns Jr., Ben Rames, Maria Conchita Alonso and George Takai. Johnny Sanchez has a troubled past which manifests in a dissonance between him and his family, particularly with his father and son. As Johnny gets released from prison, his father's garage is about to be shut down. The only way to save it is to fight in the Red Canvas Tournament a mixed martial arts event. Amid preparing for an opponent who can't be defeated, Johnny must deal with the turmoil of his family and answer for mistakes of the past. Now the score's composer was the highly talented James Peterson. At the time, 2010, his music won the IFCMA award for the best original score for an action adventure film. And until last year, when I heard Carlos Rafael Rivera's main title for The Queen's Gambit, no main title to a new score on first hearing had blown me away as this.
I will let composer James Peterson to describe the score from his original liner notes. As directors Ken Chalatoff and Adam Brewster explained, The Red Canvas was going to be more than merely a fight film, so it would be crucial for the musical score to capture and amplify the film's deeper drama and emotional aspects. Above all, Canvas was a drama and fighting sequences, though not important, were not its driving energy. My score is an attempt to fulfil their directorial vision, heightening the film's emotional drama and adding dramatic depth to the physical action. Accordingly, the score tends towards the dramatic, melodic and lyrical. Clearly, the action scenes would be brutal and punishing, but I endeavoured to make them more emotionally complex and layered through the use of thematic repetition, juxtaposition and transformation of musical ideas. Because the film required a powerful sound, I wrote for a very large brass section. Eight horns, four trumpets, four tenor trombones, two brass trombones and two tubers. To balance the brass, I marshalled 60 strings, 18 first violins, 16 second violins, eight violas, ten celli and eight counterbasses. For coloristic, linear and harmonic elements, I chose four woodwinds, flute, coronet, oboe and English horn, and I enjoyed working out their blend and balance with the orchestration. Percussion was all adopted in my studio in Santa Monica using orchestral percussion, sample libraries and a Mac. End quote. Peterson's masterfully, masterfully orchestral writing is one of those scores that you end up feeling exhausted after listening, but in a very, very good way. It is a powerhouse of rich thematic material that has substance, life and direction and is a masterpiece in the art of film scoring. If this music was from a major Hollywood blockbuster, I'm sure we would heard a lot more from James Peterson. But instead, since then, he's only scored three short films and two documentaries in the 12 years since. In fact, according to the INDB, he has just finished scoring the documentary Anonymous, redefining the word bully. Now, what we're going to play for you now is one of the highlights of the score. The 11-minute cue Ballet for Brawlers. A true orchestral tour de force showcasing the talents of his composer, or which the film industry has seemed to have just completely forgotten about. But rest assured, we on the archive definitely have not. So here now is more music from the 2009 score for the Red Canvas. The original score composed by James Peterson.
queue. That was the queue Ballet for Brawlers from the 2009 score for the film originally titled The Red Canvas. The original score composed by James Peterson and performed by the Prague Film Harmonic Orchestra, conducted by Adam Clements. The original soundtrack recording was released by Movie Score Media. And as you have heard, if you want to hear near modern classic film music from the Miklos Rocha stable and you have not got this already in your collection, this is a must buy for you. And with that, we have now sadly come to the end of the second part of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I end part two in the same way I started part one with music from the popular sci-fi series The Orville, created and starring Seth MacFarlane, the musical which had a new two-CD release of its music from season two in January from La La Land Records. In part one, we played John Debney's score to part one of the two-part episode Identity. Of this part, we are playing part two, where the Kalons take control of the Orville with the intention of destroying all biological life forms. The music here was composed by Joe McNeely and features the nine-minute cue Battle for Earth, which is viewed by many as one of the most exciting action cues written for TV or film in recent years. In the liner notes for the two-disc set, McNeely spoke about working on the Orville. Quote, while the stylish palette carries over from show to show to some extent, each episode involves coming up with a unique score customised for that particular narrative. And speaking of palette, the resources we composers are given to work with on this show are like no other I know on television. Our basic orchestra hovers in the 70-player range. For my last two scores, Seth suggested that we used a really big orchestra. So there we were, with a full symphony, over 90 players. I feel incredibly lucky and grateful to work with such phenomenal musicians and be part of such a unique, creative and rewarding show. Unquote. So let's now hear those 90 players roar. Here now is music from the episode of The Orville entitled Identity Part 2. The original score composed and conducted by Joe McNeely. This recording, as well as music from all 14 episodes from Season 2, is available on a two-CD set. It was released in January 2021 by La La Land Records. I do hope you have enjoyed both parts of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. And until we meet again, from me, Jason Drury, is take care, stay safe and happy listening.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burden for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the program, and David Cosina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment right now to rate the show and write a brief review. Reviews help introduce potential listeners to the show. And while you're at it, head over to Tee Public to get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net.